Brothers and sisters, good morning. Thank you. It has been too long, too long, and I'm glad to be back with you here at St. Lawrence on a Sunday morning. One of the things that I think is very important about our gospel today is how we emphasize things. The way that we emphasize things makes a difference, and our understanding of this gospel is often tainted by a misplaced emphasis. Our understanding of this gospel is often misplaced by a misplaced emphasis. So let me give you an example of that. For example, for example, at the very beginning of the gospel, Jesus is about to go out on a journey. Yeah, he's about to go out on a journey and a young man runs up to him, kneels down before him and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus answers with a peculiar question. Now, the way that we emphasize things makes a difference. He says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? What do you think Jesus meant when he asked that question? What point was he trying to prove? Why did he ask that? The way that you read the question sort of in, it implies an intention. For example, if you think that he's trying to say, well, I'm not good, God alone is good, when you were asking the question, you would emphasize it this way. Why do you call me good? Yeah, see what I did there? Put a little, little rub on that word good, and all of a sudden, that word gets called into question. You emphasize that word, and it inspires a meaning. What if Jesus was not trying to say that he wasn't good, but that he wasn't good? What if we thought that Jesus was trying to say, well, I'm not good. It's good. Then maybe we would emphasize it this way. Why do you call me good? Do you see the difference there? One, two, which is better? Can I be honest with you? Is that okay? Both of those are garbage. Neither of those is correct. Jesus is not by any means trying to call into question his divinity or his goodness. He's not separating himself from God. So what is he trying to get at? I think the proper way to emphasize that question is this. Why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Now, we saw, we emphasize good, it calls into one thing. Me emphasizes another thing. But when you emphasize that word why, again, it implies a particular intention. When Jesus asks this question, he's not trying to call himself into question. Rather, he's questioning the man in front of him. He's looking into his heart and he's sifting it. Why do you call me good? What reason? Is it perhaps because you see who I am? Is it maybe because you know that I am God and only God is good? Or is it because you're trying to flatter yourself and make yourself look very pious and humble? Is it because you're trying to equate yourself with me and make us equals? Is there some sort of selfish intention here? Why do you call me good? 
As I said, depending on how you ask the question, the story changes. Where you put the emphasis changes the meaning of the question. In other words, what you emphasize matters. And this is not the only instance of this principle being put into play in this gospel. The story continues. First, Jesus enumerates the commandments. You know the commandments. You shall not kill. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. It's a pretty good list of commandments, huh? Would you agree? Pretty good list? Quite exhaustive? He did a good job, Jesus? No, they're unsure. Okay, all of you watching at home, just pay attention that the people in the pews are not sure if that was a good list. And that's okay. The young man hears these commandments enumerated and then insists, yeah, but I already did that. I've been doing that my whole life. I followed these commandments. And then Jesus points out and says, there's one thing that you lack. And then he tells him to sell what he has, to give to the poor, and to follow him. Now, this is another question of emphasis. What is the one thing that the young man lacks based on the context of the gospel? What is he missing? If you look at all the different parts that are there and the context of what Jesus is saying to him, people will come up with a couple different answers. Sometimes people will say, well, the problem with this young man is that he's too rich. He has too many things. And well, yeah, there might be something there, but that's not a thing that he lacks, is it? That's a thing that he already has and has too much of. So that can't be it. Sometimes people will say, well, his problem is that he lacks charity. He's not giving to the poor. He doesn't treat his neighbor well. However, let me ask you a question, another question. You know those commandments that you weren't sure about a second ago? Remember those? Let me ask you a question about those. You shall not kill, the first one that he mentions. Is that a commandment regarding God's relationship with man or man's relationship with man? Is it something that we owe to God or something that we owe to each other? You shall not kill. Man. Very good. Yeah, this is a commandment about how mankind should treat each other, right? You shall not kill. The next is, you shall not commit adultery. Is this a commandment regarding God or regarding man? Man, again, you shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. All of these commandments enumerated by Christ regard love of neighbor, which is really important. But there's one thing that's more important. Do you remember? The most important thing, the greatest of all commandments, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The rich young man has observed justice towards his neighbors from his youth. Good job, rich young man. But there's one thing that he lacks, the thing that Jesus was questioning in the beginning. Why do you call me good? Do you see God and love him? Or is there some ulterior motive? And the rich young man who had many things, who found himself burdened 
with many things, who found his arms full of many things, loved many things, but he loved the wrong things. In this parable, in this rather story, we see that the young man misses the one thing necessary. He's invited to put aside lesser loves in order to gain the pearl of great price, the treasure hidden in the field. But as one of my professors in seminary said, the poor fellow cannot do it. He refuses to be healed. He had set the gaze of his heart on his own riches, and when all the treasures of heaven were laid at his feet, he couldn't pick them up because his arms were already full. His heart had become narrow and dark and enclosed in the wrinkled smallness of his love for paltry material possessions. Whew. Let's make a comparison here. In another parable told by our Lord, the man who found the hidden treasure in the field. Do you remember that story? He found the hidden treasure in the field and he knew it was there, and he was the only one who knew it was there. So what did he do? He, he sold all his possessions and then lived a bummer of the life for the rest of his life, right? No, that's not how the story goes. He knew the treasure was there, and so he gave away everything that he had and went joyful to the field because the treasure there was worth giving up everything so he could let go of what he now considered nothing. Nothing. He knew he was giving up nothing to gain everything. But this poor rich young man was blind to the treasure right before his face, and he walked away sad. He had given away his heart to a false love, and he clung to his nothing instead of gaining everything. In other words, the rich young man himself emphasized the wrong things. It wasn't only a verbal emphasis, it wasn't only an emphasis of commandments, but in his very life, he picked something, some good things probably. Do you know, Jesus isn't only saying, hey, please don't choose the bad things, because, duh, yeah, don't choose the bad things. But more than that, he's saying, don't choose good things instead of better things. Don't choose better things instead of best things. Look at the treasure in front of you. And then Jesus, looking at him, loves him and says, you come follow me now. You come and follow the love that's prepared for you from the foundation of the world. The one thing meant to satisfy your heart. All of these things you have, nothing. So let go of them and instead choose this great love of God that is laid at your feet. My brothers and sisters, one last point of emphasis is our own. Jesus stands before each of us, and the same sifting process is taking place. Will we rise in the sifting, or will we fall? 
Can we see him, the Lord of all, the giver of all good gifts, goodness itself, offering us a kingdom of life and love that will never fade? Because he is. He looks at you, loves you, invites you to let go of the good things for better things, the better things for best things, to choose him, to follow him, to let go of nothing and to receive everything. This man emphasized the wrong things. May we place our emphasis rightly to let go of nothing, whatever the cost, and receive with Peter and the apostles 100 times more in this life and eternal life in the age to come. Amen.